Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 35 of the 411 On Wrestling Podcast. You can follow our show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course, the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe and share the show around, and I want to thank everybody that has done so so far. We greatly appreciate it. Today, I am joined as usual by my co-host, Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy, how are you? I am doing well, Larry. How are you? Fantastic. Had a great day Monday at therapy. It was the uh, first day I went to therapy without the wheelchair. So I got, that that is good to hear. Yeah, I got, got the walk in with the rule later and stuff. I actually did some walking outside to get used to walking on concrete and all that shit, and uh, walked up and down some ramps and did my therapy. And then afterwards, went to lunch with the wife. I actually got to walk into a restaurant for the first time in well over seven months. So <laughs> it's it's the little victories in life. Hey, I'm glad to hear that. I saw the pictures. I'm glad you're doing well, buddy. That's right. So I had Daryl along with me riding in the riding in the uh the little basket in my rollator and you know, so uh yeah, good time Monday though. So Keeping you strong. That's the spirit animal right there. That's right, the trainer dude. and the spirit animal. That's right. He has to he has to keep me focused. So yeah, good time was had by all and Jeremy, we're coming off of a pretty great wrestling weekend with uh, the G1 and Slammiversary, and we have another big weekend coming up here as we're going to preview uh, AEW's Fight for the Fallen and WWE Extreme Rules. Uh, another, yeah, as you said, big weekend, and we're not going to talk about Evolve, but it's Evolve on Saturday night as well, so plenty of wrestling this weekend. That's right. The, the Evolve thing is more of a time restraint thing, plus the fact that I haven't been able to follow it as much because there are so many damn shows on Saturday and Sunday now that unfortunately they've gotten pushed to the side a little bit. So we will start with AEW Fight for the Fallen. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of choices this weekend. Uh, Evolve on WWE Network, Fight for the Fallen, uh, free in the U.S. Canada on Bleach Report Live, uh, like $8.99 or $9.99 in the U.K. and Ireland, uh, and then obviously Extreme Rules on the WWE Network. But we start with uh, Fight for the Fallen, the third show from All Elite Wrestling, Jeremy. Uh, Hopefully, I think we'll agree, they fixed the buy-in show portion. uh, Oh, God. I don't know. The the librarians got uh, five-year creative contracts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully that shit isn't on there. But uh, hopefully they can improve that, because obviously the goal for a a pre-show like that is to eventually sell shows and it's done the opposite of that so far the the pre-shows have sucked outside of there's been some good matches but yeah they haven't sold a single buy i can't imagine if you watch those pre-shows you're like hey i want to check out this pay-per-view like they haven't hyped any of the matches on the pay-per-view it's been some not so good matches and librarian nonsense yeah so uh this time around, uh, the the one buy-in match announced so far officially is Jimmy Havoc, Darby Allen, Joey Janela facing off with MJF, Sean Spears, and Sammy Guevara. So I will go to you first. Your thoughts? A weird, like, why is MJF teaming with Sean Spears after the the Cody incident? That's the that's the weird thing to me about this match is they're they're doing that. Um, I feel like it's a it's a heels victory because Guevara lost his, his first match. MJF is obviously like they have big plans. They're gonna he's gonna be a star. And, and Sean Spears, um, 
I mean, he's he's feuding with Cody. The only way I see the the faces winning, and this is completely logical, is if MJF like does get kind of fed up with Sean Spears, and then it causes dissension, and then Guevara ends up taking the pinfall. So either the heels win, or there's kind of heel dissension, and and Guevara eats the pin, and so the faces win. Yeah, d- definitely possibility. Um. You know, this is a, uh, like you said, it's kind of a weird mix in a ways. It's guys that have been involved on the first two shows. Uh, you got different styles represented here, which it's either going to make for like a really wild and fun match or it could be a little messy. We'll see what happens. Uh, hoping for the best, obviously. I think with uh, Sean Spears on his collision course with Cody, likely for all out, that uh, I can see him picking up the win here. And I think the likely play for him, and honestly the smartest thing, would be to have him pin Darby Allen just to kind of send a message to Cody that he finished the dude that Cody couldn't beat at the last show. So uh, I like I like that idea. Yeah. yeah, so I definitely think the heels win, but yeah, it wouldn't be out of the question. Uh, Curveballs often get thrown, so uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think your idea is completely out of the question because uh, obviously the MJF and uh, Sean Spears stuff could be, they could be laying future kind of groundwork for them to be working too, so... That could be in play here, but I I, th- I think the heels kind of win it, and again, it just makes the most the, to me it makes the most sense for Sean Spears to win, and because you want him to have some kind of momentum going into facing Cody after the chair incident, so yeah, agreed. Uh, next up, and uh, this one looks sexy on paper, Jeremy, the Lucha Bros versus SCU. Uh, we've talked several times on these shows uh, about how the tag division is going to carry AEW early on, and they are just continually, you know, they've stacked that division up. We have a lot of good teams. We've had a lot of great matches so far. And this one, I mean, super excited for this one. Uh, SEU were in a banger of a trio's match back at Double or Nothing. They had the really, really good match on the Fighter Fest pre-show. Uh, and while they didn't win, it was still really good. Sky and Kaz have been working great as a team. The Lucha Bros had the excellent match with the Bucks at Double or Nothing. They had a banger in a trio's match at Fighter Fest. Uh, They've come up short both times, but they've had great performances. So I think this is the time where the Lucha Bros finally pick up their first win ahead of the tag tournament to give them a little bit of momentum and to back up the great performances. Your thoughts? You, I feel like you have to have the Lucha Bros win here because they they have lost. Like, okay, they lost to the Young Bucks and then they lost to the Elite. Like. Uh, it's not the worst losses in the world, but they're clearly going to be positioned as the, the second tag team act behind the young bucks. And so they need a victory. SEU is fine. They'll, they'll be okay. Uh, the, the Lucha bros, I feel like really need a victory here because if SEU wins, I don't know. Then, then I just start to question things of like, what are you, no offense to Kazarian and, and Scorpio sky, but it almost feels like you're just putting friends over at this point. Like those guys are on the elite as well. And I know a lot of people have complained, like all the being the elite guys are seem to be winning on the first two shows. Like at some point they got to lose and like you can sacrifice them here to just to uh, have, have the Lucha bros win. Yeah, I definitely agree. It would be a horrible decision to have the Lucha bros lose again. And it would not look good. So I completely agree with that. Moving on, we have Allie versus Brandy Rhodes. And I will go to you first. Allie has to win. Brandy, no offense to her. 
I like it's fine that she's a wrestler, but we also I don't like when and it's I guess it's the same thing with with Cody and, and Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, but they're less overt about it on screen. That at least I mean not the press conferences, but the the two shows like we we saw Brandy come out and like make the announcement that hey this is. Uh, you know, I'm changing this match because I oversee the women's division. Like we haven't seen that from the executive uh, vice presidents, all four of them. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of Brandy in the ring anyway. It's fine if she wants to wrestle. I, I wouldn't like put much of the division around her though. Like that, that's Britt Baker's role, and, and so, and I think Allie is just the better wrestler. Yeah, Allie made her debut for AEW back at Fighter Fest, and they. Match I wish that never happened. It was a horrible match against the librarian Leva Bates, which uh, Leva Bates was, uh, she's a great cosplayer, but after 13 years in the business, I find her to be a not good wrestler. And that librarian gimmick is the drizzling shits, man. So that was a, it ended up being a bad debut for Allie because of that. And uh, unfortunately, she's off to a rough start. Uh, you know, they signed her away from Impact, and you think that, you know, they have high hopes for her, but didn't put her in that position to succeed like I had hoped. And I kind of fear that's the case again here because, you know, Brandy is a delightful young woman. She's smart. She's attractive. And while I'm sure she tries and works really hard in the ring, she hasn't gotten to be a good professional wrestler. She's just not. Not everybody is made to be a pro wrestler. And I think that may be the case for her here. I mean, I'm sure she'll work hard. I'm sure she's worked hard behind the scenes. Hell, I don't know. She may be locked in a dungeon with Joshi's 24-7 training for this, and maybe she'll surprise me. But, I mean, from what I know, just from everything I've seen from her so far, she's not very good. She's a great personality. She looks great, but not a good professional wrestler. Allie should pick up the win here. Hopefully it doesn't go too long, and they just book it smartly into their strengths. But Allie should win. Yeah, I'm hoping that it doesn't go too long and it's uh, as well because no offense to these ladies, Brandy's not all that good. Like Allie's fine. I wouldn't call her like a super worker or anything though. And this this could be – it'll probably get over fine in the building, but on television it could come across much differently. Yeah, it's it's definitely a risk after coming off that Leva Bates match, man. That's – yeah, I don't think that's a very good booking choice myself, but what do you Well, it do? was supposed to be it was supposed to be um who? It wasn't supposed to be Leva Bates. It it was supposed to be Kylie Ray, I think. And and that would have been a much better match. I mean, Kylie probably would have won that match. Uh but yeah, that like that would have been a much better match. Yeah. But I mean, you're uh you're running the risk I think of doing some damage to Allie here with uh the the booking of these back-to-back matches. So hopefully I'm wrong and they get in and get out, and it's okay. So I'll take okay in this instance. But move on next. Hangman Page versus Kip Sabian. Uh, back at Double or Nothing. Hangman Page won the right to fight for the inaugural AEW Championship at All Out, where he will face Chris Jericho. Uh, he followed that up with a win to Fighter Fest and now faces Sabian, who won uh, over Sammy Guevara back at Double or Nothing on the buy in show. Uh, so this would probably be a good match. Uh, I see. I can see Sabian getting some shine, but hopefully they don't uh, they don't lose lose the goal of the match, which should be obviously to make Adam Page shine and look strong in a largely dominating performance ahead of challenging Chris Jericho. 
It's fine if you want guys to shine and look good and I want a good match. But again, don't get lost in the sauce. Fucking Adam Page is supposed to be the star of these two. He's going to headline this pay-per-view coming up. And you need him to look like a strong, viable opponent for Jericho. And, like, you know, he won that battle royal and he won last uh, on the last show, and that's fine. But I don't think he's overly been looked, like, booked super strong. So I think that they need to have a really good showing for him here. Dominant win. And I think with, uh, you know, Jericho has promised to have an open, open mic here on the show. So I can see that probably happening after this match, a confrontation with Paige to uh, kind of give us the go-home angle for All Out. The goal of this match, as you said, should be to just put Adam Page over. Um, I'm not saying he needs to, to squash Kip Sabian, um, but he should most definitely get the majority of this match and look strong. And like it shouldn't go long either. You can't give Kip too much in this match because Adam Page is about to challenge for your world title. He should not be going... 50-50 with, no offense, a, a kind of an undercard guy. Well, a guy that's also largely unknown to a lot of people still. Yeah, that's and the it, other like thing. If, if your goal is to get Kip Sabian over a little bit, like, fine, this is not the spot to do it. Like, you need to create tip-top stars right now. And you've got a few on a certain level, but they're clearly behind Adam Page. And if like if Kip Sabian loses this, like it's not going to hurt him at all. He's losing to the guy who might go on to to win the world title. And like he's still what Kip is a two and zero in AEW, right? He had the uh, four way win and he beat Sammy on the on the first show, correct? Oh no, he's one and zero because he won he won a uh, double or nothing against Sammy Guevara, and then he was sitting in on the four way at Fighter Fest. Right, gotcha. Sorry, sorry. To set this um, one up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, he's still one and zero. So he's one and one with a loss to the guy who's going to challenge for the world title. That that's that's fine. Um, so, but Adam Page should should certainly get the majority of this match. Yeah, and I, I think it needs to be like kind of really dominating. Like you know, not saying two minutes squash, but I mean, if you're going to do it, I mean, just let Adam Page run through all of his shit. Let him get all his shit in and just beat this dude and. Do your post-match angle with Jericho and get that pay-per-view match set up good. And Again, you need to make Paige look as good as possible here because for pretty much everybody, not everybody watches like their Road 2 videos, which are really good. Not everybody watches Being the Elite. For a lot of people, this is going to be the big go-home angle for that pay-per-view. So you need to sell it as good as possible. So next up, uh, Jeremy, we go Kenny Omega versus Shima. And I will go to you first. Um, I mean, Omega is most likely going to win. It's probably going to be good. Omega is very good. Shima can still go. I hope it doesn't go too long. It doesn't need to go too long. Um, but I, I assume Omega will win. Yeah, you know, Omega's coming off the loss to Jericho at double or nothing. And then uh, we won the Elite uh, Trios match at Fighter Fest. So... He got a little rebound there. Shima lost tag match to double or nothing, but rebounded over Daniels at Fighter Fest. So he's evened up. Uh, Shima's been really good so far. And uh, I know a lot of people, you, you get that, well, he's getting older. I don't think he's great, blah, 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 blah. And I'm not quite saying he's going to have like a banger here completely with Kenny Omega, but I think he's still really good. And I think Kenny Omega is going to be out to look good and deliver a big time singles match here. 
because uh, I think he's still coming off. A lot of people find that Jericho match disappointing at Double or Nothing. So I think he's going to be out to, like, you know, fuck you, I'm still the best bout machine, Kenny Omega, and, you know, trying to see what he can do here. So fascinated to see if Shima can really deliver in a high-intensity Omega-style match, because uh, I think it does have potential to be great, but, you know, with Omega slated to face Moxley at uh, All Out, which is basically the plan, uh, I see him picking up the win here, keep his momentum rolling, and hopefully it's, uh, yeah, hopefully it doesn't overstay its welcome, because, uh, that's a criticism some Kenny matches got in Japan at times. They got a little uh, self-masturbatory almost, you know, just 800 V triggers, and now we'll do the finish. Well, it didn't quite have to go that long. So hopefully, yeah, it's a little bit truncated, a little edited, but it's still a really good match. And, uh, yeah, Kenny should go over, no problem. It'll definitely be a good match. Like, it's, it's a Kenny Omega match, and, again, Shima can still go. But yeah, the overstaying it's welcome is the the one thing that I worry about, especially given the relationship between these two. They might just want to go out there and be like, let's show everyone what we can do. And like, you don't need 30 minutes to do that. I guess there's time limits in AEW to where it's only going to be 20 minutes max anyway. So at least it'll be less than 20 minutes. I I think a good like 13 minutes is, is what these two need. Yeah, yeah, definitely doesn't have to go. I was thinking like around the same 12 to 15. Doesn't have to be overly long, just has to do its job. And as long as Shima looks good, he can lose. It's not a big deal. It's just, again, Kenny Omega, you have to keep your priorities in these matches. And Kenny Omega is going on to have a big match, so he needs to be the one that looks good and wins. So keep it simple, like we always say, Jeremy. Wrestling companies have trouble with that. That's right. So uh, the last match that we have right now as official for the show is uh, the Young Bucks versus Cody and Dustin Rhodes. Cody and Dustin are obviously coming off of their excellent and emotionally charged match at Double or Nothing, which obviously was just great, and it uh, led to their reunion here with the post-match angle. The Bucks have had great matches so far in AEW. They always deliver. And I think when you combine that with the... uh, I think somewhat underrated tag work that Cody and Dustin had in WWE. I think this match uh, definitely has potential to steal the show. I'm looking forward to it because I really want to see Dustin's follow-up performance here. Because it's one thing to work that emotional match with your brother that you've been dying to work for years. And it's another to step in there with one of the best tag teams in wrestling and work what is largely going to be a completely different style. The thing is, is I think Dustin is obviously still good enough and has enough smarts to work well in pretty much any atmosphere. And I'm really looking forward to see what he does here. And uh, I think in a way it'll be interesting because uh, I think he might try to like rein in the Bucks just a little bit in the good way, obviously. Uh, maybe a little more storytelling at times and stuff like that, and that's never a bad thing. If I'm booking this, I think that uh, you know Sean Spears gets involved here. But if I'm booking it, I don't have him attack Cody. I have him attack and take out Dustin to kind of mind fuck Cody even more uh, and add the build to that upcoming singles match. So I think the Bucks will win here with a, a little Sean Spears assistance. That makes sense um, for the most part, the, the finish I'm talking about. Like, logically, that, that completely makes sense. My And that would be a similar finish to what would I, what I would book. My fear that they, and it's not even a fear, but just my concern, my reason that I don't know if they're going to do that is like they talked about being very sports centric. They don't want to do a bunch of run-ins and nonsense and things like that. 
I think this could be another time limit thing. And then Sean Spears attacks Dustin. Because I do agree that Dustin should be the target here. And that's why I'm. it's listed as the main event. If this is not the main event, I that might give a clue that it's going to be a time limit finish. Because neither team can lose. I, I truthfully think that Dustin and Cody can can lose clean, specifically Dustin, because the Bucks you're you're pushing, Cody, you're obviously pushing. Dustin, even if he wants to stick around and have some matches, which I don't know if he does, he's not going to be, at least he shouldn't be, like a major focal point of the show. He should just be kind of working with younger talent like an MJF or something and putting guys over. Um so I, I think the Bucks should and could win clean here and i actually think they will and then they will kind of do the the sean spears attack and and co or sean spears can even say like you know i didn't even need to attack him he already showed he's the weak one and then now you're proving you're just as weak by caring when i when i take this man out after you guys didn't have a good relationship for all these years and i'm spitballing promo ideas right now um so yeah I, i it can all work with with a Bucks winning clean. That's a fair point about the um, the whole sports like thing. But again, I think you can you can do certain things every once in a while as long as it's not the norm. And like you know, they've had they haven't had any like you know run ins and a bunch of shit going on so far. And if this is like the thing you save it for, and you're building to that big Cody match, it's. It's kind of like it's the chair shot thing, which everybody there. Obviously, there's the you hated it, and there's a lot of people that hate it, and there's this the the big controversy over it. And obviously, that's fine, whatever your opinion is. But I think that if you you can do certain things as long as they're a once in a blue moon style thing. And so, if you're gonna do the interference here, then again, you you can't do that for like a long time again. So I th- I think the draw is a possible and fair call, but like you said, uh, Dustin and Cody could lose clean here with Dustin losing, and it'll be interesting. But I, I think that uh I think the Spears angle can work, and again, it's just as long as it's not something you do all the time after saying you're not going to do it all the time, because I think you can. It's it's just degrees of uh, execution. It, Every every once in a while, you can do something like that. It's like TNA. Every once in a while, would like do some things I really loved, and then they would like there were they were great things, and then they would never do it again. Like they would do like the throw in the towel gimmick every once in a while, and then it was like it was like oh Joe's a fucking badass, and they threw in the towel, and you know then like months later he has a dick painted on his face and was kidnapped by ninjas. And they like never did it again. You know, it's like, come on now. It's like let's 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 do something good here. So but uh no, fair points all around. It'll be I think it'll be really interesting to see interesting to see how they end up booking it. And that's that's that is the, the thing with this match is like you have three guys who I mean they're gonna be pushed in this company. They're already have been pushed in this company. And you, you've got to get around that somehow. And that's why I think that the, the, uh, the Dustin could just take the 
the pinfall clean and it'll be fine. Or Sean Spears can interfere. And you make a good point about if you don't do it all the time, it has a lasting effect. They, I was listening to uh, Jim Ross and Steve Austin today, and Austin said the same thing about the unprotected chair shot that Cody did. Like Jim Ross was very offended by this chair shot, by the way. Um, it was odd to actually see him like bury something that his company has done instead of violently defended. Um, but Austin was like, I didn't have a problem with it because you don't really see it nowadays. And now if you don't do it again for a year, two years, three years, like if you do want to do it again, it has that same effect. Like you just can't do it every show. And that's what, Hey, if you do this interference in this main event, fine, don't do it the next show or the next or the next, maybe do it a couple months down the line. Um, but, but just don't make a habit of it. Yeah. And you know what? Hey, good for Jim Ross for just not towing the company line. If that's his real feeling, if he's, like seriously fucking offended by it. Good. I mean, that's you know that that's actually nice to see. So I mean, Ro- yeah. Ross was actually I typically like don't like his interviews. Um, I, I hear the Grilling Jr. podcast is really good, but the the Ross Report podcast, I I thought those kind of sucked um, because. I, I don't know. It just it just wasn't that good to me. And he kind of has a monotone voice that doesn't do a whole lot for me. But this this interview with Steve Austin was was really good because I did expect him to just be like, oh, yeah, blue chipper. You know, we got a lot of a <laughs> lot of talent in this kid. Like, you got to look out for this kid. Oh, that was a great whatever. You know, just defending the company with with every bone in his body. But he actually had some like really good stuff of like, hey, no, this wasn't good. We kind of screwed this up. You know, I we got to see what this kid actually has. Like it was actually a, a very fair interview, I thought. So that's cool. Hey, if he yeah. So if you haven't listened to it, Steve Austin, Jim Ross, uh, it's as good as you kind of would think it'd be when those two get together, but better than you would think it'd be if you just listened to Jim Ross's old podcast. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of his old show for the most part either. So that's, that's good to hear, though. So it'll be that's that's, that's uh, interesting. I I always appreciate it when. Uh, like it's not always easy, obviously, depending on who you work for and stuff. But I always appreciate when guys can be kind of objective, objective about that and be like, you know, it's like this was good, but you know, we kind of could have done better, you know. So that's a that's a good sign. But yeah, man, it's um again, I I think you can do certain things as long as they're. I think the reason people get pissed off when WWE does it so often is because they do it so often, like certain things and you're just like really again and that's where the frustration comes in because it's repetitive number one and then it feels like you're just kind of getting screwed and like they don't care about you as a fan so yeah i i appreciate if they're gonna do more sport oriented presentation and all that and that's fine but you can do the storyline element just you can't abuse it so that'll be the key but yeah I'm, i'm interested to see how they book that and i'm think the show definitely has a lot of potential judging by what has been announced so far and again uh free on br live and uh like i think it's like 8.99 and 9.99 in ireland and the uk and some other places on fight tv and uh 411 will all as always will have coverage on saturday night live of the show and looking forward to that so before we move on to extreme rules jeremy and we talked a little bit about this on our last show uh, Impact Wrestling Departures. Uh, our big talk previously was on LAX because everybody knew their contracts were coming up, but uh, kind of a big a big bomb dropped a bit because uh, Johnny Impact, uh, contractual obligations done with the company, and he's a free agent now as well. So uh, 
your thoughts on the current departures from the company? The Johnny Impact one was certainly out of nowhere because we we both thought this guy would would be there for a while, and I'm not 100% sold that he's gone. Like the the report um, from PW Insider did say, like they're still talking about coming to an agreement. Like Impact's contract apparently expired uh, weeks ago, but he he worked through the the Rich Swan angle. Um, and, and Taya is still there; she's still the champion. Her contract. Uh, reportedly doesn't end until the end of the year so i feel like he's going to be back with impact wrestling um lax is like the reports are still out there you know it doesn't officially expire until august um they might be at the next television tapings impact is doing everything in their power to to keep them and they have offers on the table with, from WWE and AEW, which we both pretty much expected. Um, I, I still think, I feel like this gives more credence to them being gone, but they don't have to make a decision for at least another, about a month now. Um, and a lot of things can change in that month. You, you never know if Impact puts more money on the table and who knows, like, as a basketball fan, I, I see how things change very quickly in a short period of time when it comes to free agency. And I, I think wrestling could be no different if if it really wants to be. Uh, so I wouldn't put too much stock into reports if, in July, especially if LAX does work the next television tapings. If they don't work the next television tapings, then they are 100% uh, gone. But if, if they're there in some capacity, then Impact still has a shot. Yeah, it's um yeah, the Johnny Impact thing came out of nowhere because nobody was reporting that his deal was coming up. So that one uh surprised me, but then again, when you see the result of the pay-per-view and everything, it makes complete sense that he put uh, Swan over on the way out and um yeah, I hope he um I would I definitely wouldn't mind him sticking sticking around. I thought he's been really good in Impact overall. I thought he's had some very good and great matches. I thought he's been a just a good addition to the roster and so again, yeah, if he's going to stick around, even if it's like kind of part-time or through the end of the year, I mean, that would be great. Um, again, LAX, like it all comes down to what they're going to want in the end. I mean, if they're really happy in Impact and feel like they have more to do there, I could see them staying. But then again, they may feel they've kind of done everything they could and they may be looking just to get paid now. And again, you can't blame them. They're two guys. They got families and stuff and you know, I mean, uh, different um, things come at different times for you. And so uh, definitely they would be a huge loss for them. But, man, all I know is if I'm fucking, if I'm Impact, any money you got earmarked for, like, RVD and Rhino and Tommy Dreamer's weird fucking appearances, put it in a pile, give it to LAX, Impact, and uh, Killer Cross, and fucking try to keep those guys don't yeah same thing same thing we talked about last time is like quit paying these ecw dudes and, and pay dudes who you're actually like you have a future with and you've invested time in and like these ecw guys should work for cheaper anyway and you know van damme's not because he literally said uh yeah i'm only here for the money so he ain't giving callus no discount yeah and the thing is is like if you if you really really want to use tommy dreamer that motherfucker will come in and work on a per day deal. You know, he'll pop in and work and be happy and don't, you know, you don't have to promise him anything. It's just like, come on, man. It's just, I think you have to have priorities and like, 
you know, it's like we talked about last time, you know, like you really like Cross a lot and he's shown, you know, like that, uh, the, the, uh, the blood sport match. And then he's shown some like really good stuff and impact at times. And I really like this pay-per-view match and I like a lot of what the guy does. And I think there's a lot of potential there, but I mean, I think you got to try to keep guys like that, that you've invested time into. You've put a lot of time in the Johnny impact. You put a lot of time into LAX. It's 2019. Nobody's fucking buying your show for Rob Van Dam, okay? Definitely not. So, um, yeah, again, just uh, kind of hoping the best for Impact and where they stand on their contract stuff. Because I would hate to see them, you know, coming off of a really strong Slammiversary show to just kind of fizzle out and lose momentum. I would hate to see that. Because it feels like, again, they've had chances at various times and, like, this happened like after last year's Slammiversary. They built really good to Slammiversary and then they like kind of fizzled out for a while afterwards. And I thought last year's Slammiversary was really great and they didn't fully capitalize on it for various reasons, booking and all that. And I just, uh, I hope that's different this year. Uh, they got to get off of Pursuit. That's the first thing. Yeah, well, you got to yeah, secure mean, that access deal. I mean, they can do as good a television and pay-per-views as they want. If you're on Pursuit at 10 p.m. on Friday, don't no one give a shit. Yeah, that Pursuit deal is obviously uh, no good. So uh, before we move on, uh, reminder, you're listening to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. Uh, you can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the 411mania.com website. Uh, like we said, Jeremy, coming off of a really great overall weekend last weekend with the G1 and um, Slammiversary, sorry, I'm spaced out on that one. And uh, we have another weekend with a lot of potential here. We already talked Fight for the Fallen, and now we have WWE Extreme Rules 2019. First match we're going to talk about is not official at this time that I've seen. Uh, on SmackDown, Nakamura pinned Finn Balor in a non-title match. So I think there is a good chance that that will be added to the show. So we'll talk about that one first. Finn Balor versus Nakamura. I see title on the line. I would uh, I would imagine this gets added to the show as well. I was kind of surprised it wasn't announced during SmackDown. Uh, their their match on SmackDown was was good. We we know they are capable of, of much better. Will they get time at Extreme Rules to be much better? Uh, this card has like 10 or 11 matches on it, so probably not. Uh, and that's an issue with these non-brand split pay-per-views. Um, Finn probably retains, but I wouldn't be mad if Nakakura, Nakamura wins it because he kind of needs to do something. Like Finn, Finn is fine. They they clearly see him as kind of a mid card guy that they could potentially heat up at some point. Nakamura, for some reason, he's not seen in any light at all. So it'd be cool if they they put the Intercontinental Title on him. Yeah, I could definitely see a possible title change. I could also see a uh, like a DQ finish to uh, continue the feud. So, and a DQ finish at Extreme Rules. Of course. How stupid would that be? Because you know there's going to be it. no yeah, there's gonna be no weird stipulation on this. It'll just be a whatever match on Extreme Rules. And, you know, the one night a year WWE goes extreme, Jeremy. Gotta have Kinda. a DQ. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Balor retains, but again, I wouldn't be surprised if uh see a title change. I think I will go with Balor. Uh was revealed on SmackDown tonight that 
Alistair Black, the man that has been knocking at his door, was Cesaro. Uh, you know, brand split be fucking damned. Wild card rule, baby. Uh, so That's C- right. So Cesaro's going to pop in and uh, face Alistair Black. And uh, this is a match I think uh, has a lot of potential as long as they get the time. And again, that could be an issue with uh, the number of matches on the card. But if they get time, uh, both guys are obviously great. Uh, Cesaro's probably dying to be back on pay-per-view and having a singles match with somebody like Black. So uh, I'm expecting a very good, if not great, match here. Definitely banger potential. Uh, And if Aleister Black loses after all this bullshit, it's some stupid booking. It's certainly stupid booking if Aleister Black loses to the first guy who knocks. Um... And that said, like, I wouldn't even be mad because it's Cesaro and I love that guy. And I wish, like, he was more in the world title or singles uh, mid card title picture. Um, but he's not. Uh, maybe they form a tag team after this. Oh, Cesaro shines. Cesaro shines in tag teams. This guy's amazing. Um, I, like, I want him involved in really any title picture and if it's a tag team title picture that's fine like look who this guy's teamed with in his career and he gets good like he just has good matches with everybody um yeah black should win black will most likely win i hope they get time if it's kind of a semi-short match with with black getting most of it to to really put him over strong i'm also fine with that as much as i love cesaro uh but yeah either one of those outcomes i would be i would be happy with Fair enough. Uh, moving on, Raw Tag Team Champions, The Revival, will face off against The Usos. Uh, I'm looking forward to this one. I love both teams. I think they're great, and they always deliver on pay-per-view. Uh, the path to get here, obviously initially rough with all the back shaving and poor Vince McMahon comedy at the expense of The Revival. Uh, but the problem is, or the thing is, that like the in-ring is never a problem with these guys. Once they get in there, they get time on a pay-per-view, they're going to deliver. They're going to step up here. Probably will end up being one of the best matches on the show if they get the time. And uh, I, uh, again, I'm excited for this. Hopefully there's no uh, weird, like, Elias interference to fuck things up. But um, I can definitely see a title change here to the Usos. It wouldn't shock me if they did a title change. I'd like the revival to get a halfway decent, meaningful run um, with, with the titles. Yeah, it, it's another thing. As long as they get the time, and even if they don't get that much time, like these two teams work really well together. They're two of the best out there. The the match is going to have absolutely no issues. Um, and, and I'd keep the titles on the revival. And I'm with you. Like not not too much nonsense like the the revival have like a loose association with with shane kind of like i guess ziggler i i'm actually deathly afraid that dolph ziggler is going to run in in this match don't ask me why it's just a fear that i have um yeah keep keep that keep the interference nonsense out just just let these guys wrestle and keep dolph ziggler off my tv definitely that as well i'm telling you it's it's a gut feeling larry dolph ziggler is going to come out there during this match because we can't have nice things Listen, if you're right about this, I'm coming to your house and beating you with my prosthetic leg. <laughs> Don't put that ideas in Vince's head. That, that is 100% fair, actually. I would deserve <laughs> that for speaking this into existence. All right, U.S. champion Rick O'Shea versus AJ Styles with the title on the line. Your thoughts? Um, can't wait. It's going to be nice to have this match without a convoluted nonsense to go to a commercial break um so you can not have wrestling during the break 
Uh, another, once again, give them time. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. It might steal, might steal the show because I have more confidence in this getting time than um, the the other two matches, the tag team matches in Black and Cesaro. Uh, so yeah, I and even Finn and Nakamura. Um, I think this one will get the most time out of those four, and it'll be like it'll be an amazing match. You, you can never go wrong with AJ Styles and Ricochet. Yeah, you're probably right because they do. Um, for as much as you know, and fairly, people complained about AJ never really getting the main event as WWE champion. He, um, they've never really shorted him on time on pay per view. You know, they they kind of give him the time and freedom to work, which is always good. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, for as much as I can be down on WWE TV, I've really enjoyed their interactions on Raw. Uh, they've been strong, but kind of restricted, obviously, with the convoluted commercial bullshit. Um, here, they're going to get more time. There won't be any of those stupid breaks to stop the match. And they'll have more freedom to deliver. Ricochet, obviously, an amazing performer. AJ Styles is still AJ Styles, despite the fact that some people like to think he's he's done for some reason, you know. Just those people to, are idiots. Yeah, well, just, you know, just had an excellent match with Seth Rollins this year, but he's still not good for some reason. So anyway, I, I think this definitely has potential to be really great. Looking forward to it. Uh, much like the last match, so hopefully they kind of limit any potential club shenanigans, which will likely happen. As long as it's not that bullshit that happens like all throughout the match and completely takes away from it. If you do like a spot later on or a spot here or there, that's okay. You just can't do it like eight times during the damn match because it kills the flow and it just ruins it. Uh, you know, Ricochet just won the title. But I could definitely see a title change here to kind of solidify AJ's heel turn and the whole reunion of the club going forward. So I think I'll go with AJ. I'm going with AJ as well for the reasons you mentioned is to really solidify the the club being back in business here. Um, AJ having that title kind of puts them to to that next level. Uh, it would suck for Ricochet to lose it so quickly. But he can continue this feud. He he's got to have friends, right? Who wouldn't want to team up with with Ricochet? I guess like Balor and Alistair Black would be great friends, but they're technically on SmackDown, and the you know the brands cannot cross promote. That's only at Survivor Series. That's right. The one time a year where Raw and SmackDown go face to face, Jeremy. I was shocked that Roman Reigns was actually wrestling on SmackDown last night. <laughs> I I could not so like the opening not the opening segment but the one match on Raw was like the Miz Usos revival and and uh who did who did revival Elias who skipped out after like the first before the first fall ended yeah and I'm like I really had to question which brand are these guys on I really do not know and I guess Elias is technically the only SmackDown guy, but I, I had to stop and think, like, which brand are the Usos and the Miz on? Because I swear they show up every week. Yeah, it's so damn confusing. It's like, you keep hearing about, like, oh, Paul Heyman and uh, Eric Bischoff want to really identify the brands and stop with all this stuff, and they might want to do a new draft and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I, I don't really give a shit how they do it. Can we just fix this stupid shit? That's all It'd be nice. It'd be nice. Uh, maybe once Heyman and Bischoff actually have control, we'll, we'll see it. But, uh, I mean, last week looked like Heyman. This week definitely didn't look like Heyman. 
last week uh, you could see a little more influence this week like there there seemed to be some Bischoff influence into it so I don't know we'll see I, I think next week is when they're going to kind of really get into power but um, who knows Smackdown felt like an Eric Bischoff show starting out tonight because you had the parking lot brawl and then you had a wrestler shooting on the authority figure and that was, that was uh, all very easy on Nitro kicking off the show. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens next week. And, again, how much power they actually have. Uh, very debatable point. So, moving on, last man standing match, Lashley versus Braun Strowman. Back on July 1st, uh, these guys almost killed each other in the last man standing match on Raw. They did a big spot where uh, Braun speared Lashley through the LED board, but... Uh, Lashley walked away from it with apparently no injuries and was just angry. Braun allegedly suffered a ruptured spleen and a separated pelvis. But good news, he's back for Sunday. They, like, I love that angle. They did not sell that enough. Like, Lashley should not have been on television this week. Um, Braun, neither. I understand you want to do the match. Uh, Then don't, like, go crazy with your your uh injury explanations just kind of keep it maybe a little bit lighter i guess you could wrestle two weeks after suffering a ruptured spleen um the uh, my favorite hockey player of all time he suffered a ruptured spleen in the first round of or in the second round of the playoffs and then nearly returned for or maybe could have returned for game seven of the finals and that's probably about three and a half weeks so it's wrestling you can you can cut that by by a week and a half there uh don't care about this match honestly i I truthfully don't i i can appreciate that honestly but uh yeah normally i'd be quick to pick up braun win here but it really feels like the angle has been made to make lashley look really strong coming out of it and I think that the over-exaggerated injuries could be an excuse for Braun to take a loss here. And, hell, maybe they may do something interesting with Bobby Lashley going into SummerSlam. Who the fuck knows? I I don't know. Like, it definitely, with Ray coming back on Monday and Lashley just, like, completely squashing him, this is, this is the thing that I, I say a lot um, when it comes to WWE. I think they have good ideas, they're putting the wrong people in this spot. If you like, let's say Lars, I know a lot of people don't like Lars, but he's, he's someone new. He's, he's someone fresh and he's getting over to an extent or, or let's say like, who's a guy that the, uh, that the online fans really, really love. Let's say somebody like a, a Cesaro, um, you know, if he comes in there, he kills Ray in a minute after suffering some devastating injury. Like that's a good angle that gets Cesaro over huge. Uh, but because it's Bobby Lashley, then it's just like, all right, this dude's like forty. We don't care. You've missed the boat on him big time as it is. So why why are you giving him this spot? And, and that is that's an issue that plagues WWE in a in a big way right now. It felt like such a waste of hyping Ray's return, too. Because it's like, hey, everybody, the the, the uh, legend Ray Mysterio is back. He's going to wrestle on Raw tonight. 55 seconds later. I mean, yeah, in theory, it's fine to help build Lashley, but it's like... I, it just felt like such a poor move that... I mean, it's hard to hurt Ray because he's such a legend, but like... It felt like it really hurt Ray more than helped Lashley, really. 
And that's that obviously shouldn't be the goal. And again, I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's Bobby Lashley. Like if you put someone that we like in this position, if you if you put a Cesaro or even like a, a Kevin Owens, like you're trying to make Kevin Owens out make uh, to be this killer. I know he's a baby face now, so it wouldn't work. But literally anybody who kind of has the and just about everybody's bigger than Ray, but anybody who has that build of like, yeah, he could kill this man in, in a minute and he does it like are we complaining as much about it and saying like it hurt ray where maybe we're saying like oh that's that's cool of ray like he built his name right there right off of of ray mysterio and like we want this guy pushed but because it's lashley we're like well that just felt like a waste of ray yeah i i just i don't know it just uh didn't didn't i didn't really like it it was one of those one of the many many weird things that happened on raw so Fucking, oh my god, we'll get into that in a second. So, uh, a SmackDown tag team title match is up next. Uh, champions Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan, or sorry, just Rowan because he lost the name, versus the New Day versus Heavy Machinery. Uh, if I'm being completely honest, the SmackDown tag division has been a complete fucking uh, mess since the whole shakeup and the just poor reallocation of the talents. We got away from the Shane and Miz team, thankfully, but. You had Daniel Bryan and Rowan lose in a non-title match to the Usos on pay-per-view, and then there was new fo- no follow-up. New Day lost to Sammy's, Sammy Zayn and Kevin Owens on the last pay-per-view, and there was no follow-up. And then the New Day scored some wins on like really weird TV matches and got into this match. And then Heavy Machinery lost math last month, but then they beat Kevin Owens and Dolph Ziggler in that weird match last week. And uh, then they got into this triple threat for reasons. Just because I guess they had to make it a triple threat. Why not? So it's like the booking uh, left. A, hang on, the booking left a lot to be desired here for, for me. But there are positives here. Daniel Bryan and Rowan are way better as a team than I think anybody could have hoped. The New Day are still good and fun and always deliver on pay per view. And Heavy Machinery had a really good match with Bryan and Rowan last month. So like the booking has been like really shitty to get here overall. But I think that um. I think it'd probably be good. I think it's a with the triple threat. There's a good tease of it being a title change, but I, I still think it's time Brian and Rowan to keep the titles. It just doesn't feel like the time to take it off them because they really haven't done much with them, and it feels like they could do a lot more. Yeah, yeah. It, the SmackDown tag team division is is bad, and this is like the only three teams that they have, especially now that. Owens is his baby face, and Excuse I don't know what Sammy's in. team are on SmackDown. Are they? Are they legitimately? <laughs> yeah. I do not know. Okay. All right. I mean, they're former tag team champions, so <laughs> sure. I mean, Matt Hardy's still on SmackDown. I don't understand why they don't do more with Matt Hardy. Like, why isn't this guy just like why? Why isn't he taking like Chad Gable or or Ali under his wing or something? Like, why isn't Matt Hardy used just more? This guy is, he has so much to offer, and it's like, oh, Jeff isn't around, so we're not going to do anything with him. It's really stupid. Um, Yeah, these are like the only three teams. It'd be cool if Brian and Rowan, their run got extended because anything Daniel Bryan does is good. It almost feels like they're just going to do heavy machinery, though, because Otis is funny. Well, Otis is funny, but. He is, but Heavy Machinery is a team. Like, they're like Tucker. I don't feel like he offers much of anything, and 
they're, they're the worst team in this match. That's a high bar because you're talking about Daniel Bryan on one team and the New Day as the other team. But the Heavy Machinery is is by far the worst team in this match. Yeah, it's. Um, I think it'll probably be good. Uh, I, like I said, I don't think they should do a title change, but because I said that, they probably will. So what are you gonna do? Next up in a no holds barred match, The Undertaker and the Big Dog versus Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre. The whole Roman Reigns Fuck return. This match. <laughs> I was kind of waiting for that, but yeah, the whole Roman Reigns thing has been like. Really weird since his return. They did the Shield's last ride because Moxley was leaving. He had a match with Drew at Mania that left a lot to be desired. He beat up Elias a lot. Feuded with Shane and lost to him at Saudi Mania. He beat Drew again last month. And now he's teaming with Undertaker for reasons. Okay. I mean, that kind of came out of nowhere. But uh, what do you? It's, it is what it is, I suppose. Um... You know, it's like, ideally, I'd love for this feud to just fucking end here. Because it just, it goes on and on and on, and Drew's really gotten nothing out of it. And, I mean, I kind of want Taker and Roman to win just to kind of end it. But it feels like that that might not happen, because it really looks like they're building the Kevin Owens versus Shane again. Possibly for SummerSlam. And um, if they're doing that, I mean, I could see Shane and Drew winning... And, I mean, ideally, if that happens, I mean, I'd love to see fucking Drew pin The Undertaker. Set up a match between them. They're not fucking putting Drew over. I don't think they are. I said ideally. This company, either Shane is going to win because fuck, why not? Or, like, The Undertaker is going to pin Shane. Like, Nobody's getting over in this match, and Drew's about the only person that has anything to gain on getting over. So you know he's not getting the the win. They this dumbass angle on Raw with Cedric Alexander pissed me off so much, and I I don't care about this match. I don't care who wins. I hope they all lose. I, I fuck the Undertaker in 2019, honestly. I, Go away, dude. I tried to be nice and give an in-depth preview, but honestly, <laughs> no, I mean, if I'm being honest, I don't care about it. I just hope it doesn't suck. I just want to move on. If you if you have enough Roman and McIntyre, it won't suck completely. The moment Shane and Undertaker get into the ring, it's going to be just god-awful. Like, they're the best pure strikers in WWE history, Jeremy. <laughs> Look, I love making the Undertaker and Shane McMahon jokes. I legitimately wrote a like real fight breakdown ahead of the WrestleMania match, talking about Shane's jujitsu and striking and the Undertaker's jujitsu and striking. I love that wacky shit. You know, I don't care about this match when I can't even go into wacky mode for it and try to talk like this is going to be some amazing technical masterpiece. I no, go away with this match. Speaking of this, I'm going to call you out on the air. Are you going to write me a preview column for Alberto Del Rio versus Tito oh, Ortiz? Oh, yes. Yes. 100%. <laughs> I cannot wait for Alberto Del Rio against Tito Ortiz. Some people are freaking out, like, why is this happening? And I'm like, no, no, no. This is my type of wackiness right here. Listen, yeah, I'm pumped for that. Listen, match. it's going to be a pile of shit, but listen, <laughs> I'll probably watch that, though. I'm not going to lie. 
Oh, I'll watch the hell out of it. Like, that's going to be an amazing... I, I feel like it's going to be fixed, but I, we'll see. I, I'm so excited for that fight. Oh, and I, I just... I want to see fucking Alberto go out there. And it's not like I'm a big Tito fan, but I want to see him fucking starch him so hard. <laughs> <Just>. <laughs> I don't care really, like, who gets... Like, a one-punch knockout in this fight would be just so great. Or if Tito just takes him down and beats the shit out of him, like, I think that would be hilarious as well. I I mean, I'm here for just the complete shit show of it all. Yeah, it, it's going to be, and that's that's the amazing thing. Uh, we'll move on. Cruiserweight Championship match. Your champion, Drew Gulak versus Tony Nese. Uh, back at Salby Grounds, Drew Gulak pinned Akira Tozawa. The win, Tony Nese's Cruiserweight Championship in a great match. It was uh, stuck on the pre-show. Following Tuesday, Nice beat Tozawa. They had another great match on 205 Live there in order to earn this championship match. Uh, the kind of cool thing is, is like, Nice and Gulak have a ton of history going back to Evolve, coming into WWE together. They were former allies. They turned on each other and everything, and then you had Drew Gulak just kind of going crazy. And he's Drew Gulak is just fucked off at 205 Live. He doesn't care about the show getting any better. He only cares about himself now. Uh, technically a more dangerous man than ever, they say, and he was. He won the fucking title, so good for him. Love Drew Gulak as champion. Like Tony Nese a lot. Another potentially really good to great match here, I think, and I see Drew Gulak retaining. Yeah, I think I think Gulak is retaining as well. Um, again, I think 205 Live typically likes to have longer title reigns, and they didn't really do that with Nice. I think they will do that with Gulak. He's going to wrestle Riddle the night before, and... I don't know if he'll beat Riddle. It would like if he did, no one would care. It's just some evolved show. Like it's not going to be super meaningful. But you give this guy kind of back-to-back wins on WWE Network. I mean, he's on a show that's exclusive to WWE Network as well. You could do a little something with with Drew Gulak. He's never going to be like elevated that high because he's kind of hit his ceiling with, with 205 Live being the champion. We've seen what happens uh, to guys when they get moved to the to the other brands, so he shouldn't want that at all. But you can certainly almost build a little like niche audience uh, around um, uh, Drew Gulak with some, some big wins on the network this weekend. Yeah, I like Drew a lot, and uh, Oni Lorcan won a really uh, won a good match on... Uh... 205 Live tonight, and I think he's going to be positioned as a challenger soon. And uh, I am all about running back Drew Guloff and Biff Busick from the old Evolve days. Give me that shit, because Oni's fucking great. And I really liked Guloff a lot. So yeah, I see him retaining here, continuing on. Next up, I'll go to you first. SmackDown Women's Championship match. Bailey defending against Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss in a handicap match. Uh, I, I mean, the, the tease and the speculation is Sasha Banks, right? Uh, that's what they're doing. Um, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. An unreliable person said that she will be returning on Sunday and maybe even, I mean, it can't be earlier than that, but he, he strongly hinted that she would be back sooner rather than later. And they're obviously teasing something here. Bailey's got friends. I think she's got Naomi and Natalia. Uh, I I like the idea of Alexa and Nikki winning and doing like a co-champion thing, and then Nikki finally like smartens up and is like, oh wow, I was being used this whole time. Like I I think that is a 
a good piece of business. I also like that uh, nobody does show up for Bailey, and that's what's, what's ultimately sends her over the edge. And then maybe Sasha does come back, and Bailey gets pissed off that, hey, where the fuck were you the, these past three months? Um, so there's some stories in play in this match, and we'll we'll just have to see what they do. I find above the regular title feud between Bailey and Alexa, I find the whole Nikki Cross Alexa Bliss thing way more interesting. Oh, for sure. Because I mean, there's a lot of ways you could play it. You can just stick with the basic Alexa Bliss is manipulating her the whole time to help her get back the title. You could do the wacky tag team partners going for the tag titles. And then you could also do the fact that Nikki's still a fucking psychotic chick that is just playing everybody with the wholesome nice girl act and I want to be your friend. And she was the psychopath manipulating Alexa the whole time. So there's a lot of ways you can go here. Um, definitely Sasha Banks, uh, the tease has been out there. They've, they were pretty heavy handed on TV without saying her name about Bailey having no friends and you need a friend to slap you and blah, 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 blah. So I could see Sasha making a return uh, if I'm booking, I have Sasha return. She kind of evens the odds. Bailey retains. And then Sasha Banks snaps on her afterwards, beats the shit out of her, and they finally get to have a match at SummerSlam. Could, I, again, there's a lot of ways you can go with this. And I like your idea that Nikki Cross is just a psychopath and has been playing everyone this whole time. And she, you know, everyone thought she was the one getting played. There's... There's a lot of good strings that they, they've put together with this one feud, and we'll see what they do with it. I don't have the highest hopes in the world for it, but uh, they they could certainly do a lot of cool things with this feud. Yeah, I'm not exactly excited about the match, but um, I like the story potential around it. So, uh, moving on, WWE Championship match. Your champion, Kofi Kingston versus Samoa Joe. Uh, your thoughts, Jeremy? Should be... Uh, the, Kofi needs a good match. I, I said should be a good match because it's Kofi and Joe. But Kofi has... Um, and I don't fully blame him. His last couple of matches ha- have not been great. Uh, the Kevin Owens stuff was was fine. But we, we know Kofi is better than, than what he's shown against owns and, and Ziggler. And again, I don't put that all on him. Um, Samoa Joe, obviously still very good. He's another guy who the ricochet match was good, but he was kind of snake bitten uh, prior to that with uh, the Mysterio stuff. Both of these guys can just really use a, a standout match where you're like, Hey, remember these guys? Like they're fucking excellent. So I, I think, I think Kofi wins. I think he's going to keep the title until at least SummerSlam. It sucks for Samoa Joe. That guy just, you can always heat him up and put him into the title picture, and he's coming into the title picture despite losing the the fucking title at the last show. Um, But this guy just, he just keeps on losing. Him and Nakamura just can't buy a victory in the the world title scene. Yeah, I think they've done a good job of building up Joe. Um, He he choked out Kofi. He actually beat him in a tag match. So it kind of gives you a tease that, hey, this guy can actually win, which the other guys, like Kevin Owens never really felt like he was going to win. Dolph certainly never felt like he was going to win. So it like it at least feels like Joe has a chance. And this is gonna may sound really weird to some people, but I will say that if Paul Heyman was going to be the one in charge of SmackDown, I would have even more faith in a potential Joe win. 
because he loves Joe. And Eric Bischoff was never a really big fan of Joe. Like, he liked a lot of what Joe did, but he thought Joe was too difficult to work with, didn't take himself too serious, or took himself too seriously, and he didn't get very slim like Eric wanted him to, which, I mean, you know... Isn't Joe on Raw? Well, yeah, but I mean, if he's WWE champion, you have to have a title. No, 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 I I, I understand that. I just realized that, like, Joe, because you were talking about, like, (laughs) if it was Heyman, he'd be fine, and then I was like, wait, (laughs) Joe is actually on Raw, so Heyman does have him, but yeah, this is for the... So dumb, this fucking wild card. Like that's why that's why Joe isn't winning because he's a raw guy. So I don't think they're putting the title. Not that it matters at this point, but yeah, I, I agree. If the wild card rule wasn't a thing and Joe was actually on SmackDown, maybe he has a better shot if uh, Heyman is there, and I think he has a better shot. Like if this shakeup just doesn't happen at all, because the the long term goal is seems to be Kofi Kingston and at least holding the title until SummerSlam. And there's nothing wrong with that. Kofi's been a, been a great champion. So just not quite Joe's time. And I'm not sure it's ever going to be Joe's time. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, I see Kofi retaining here. And uh, my feeling is that uh, it's going to be set that they're going to do Kofi and Brock at SummerSlam. And I think they're going to kind of rerun the John Cena destruction match with that. And uh, Brock will be champion heading into SmackDown going to Fox. Yeah, they're they're teasing the, the cash-in. I don't think it's going to happen here, um, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I think SummerSlam, honestly. They'll actually, like, he'll announce it and just destroy Kofi at SummerSlam. So. That makes sense. Uh, our main event is the winner-take-all Extreme Rules intergender tag match for the universal and raw women's championships to where if Becky and Seth win, they keep their titles and Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans can never challenge again. But if Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans win, they win the championships. Can we just fuck off with those two? This, this whole thing sucks as well. And like, I like Becky and Seth. It's, it's tough not to like them. Um, I guess you can dislike Seth a little bit more after these last couple of weeks. Um, as a as a couple, uh, just doing nothing for me, just nothing at all. They because, have dog shit for uh, on screen chemistry, man. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's not good at all. And I like I'm I'm sure they're very happy and they they get along great off screen. It's not working for me on screen and. I, like they don't need each other on screen either. It just feels so forced and and pointless. Like really, really pointless. Because like why why do you you have your universal champion? You have the woman that main evented WrestleMania and beat Ronda Rousey and won two titles. Why do they need each other on screen? And they're literally only together on screen because they're a couple off screen. It it doesn't make any sense to me. They'll win. God for God help us if Baron Corbin and and Lacey Evans walk out of this show with champions. God help us all. See the thing is is like even though SummerSlam is already sold out, see that's that's the scary part because they can sit there and be like, well SummerSlam's sold out. We could put the titles on them, and I would just oh holy shit that would be just the worst idea. Baron Corbin has proven nothing. 
You can talk to me all the bullshit you want that he allegedly gets great heat. And no, he's just, he hasn't delivered at all in the ring. He gets mild heat. Lacey Evans was kind of forced into a position that she wasn't quite ready for. She tries, she works hard, but no, it's just, it would be a horrible idea. Seth and Becky should win. The worst part about pairing them on screen is that it has fucking extended Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans' run as title challengers. And speaking of shitty on-screen chemistry, those two are no better. No, but at least they're not dating in real life. Yeah. So, so uh, not looking forward to that match for sure. Hopefully Seth and Becky just win and we're done with this bullshit and we can move on. Yeah, I, I mean, we should because this is the last time Corbin and Evans can, can get title shots, so they shouldn't be in the picture for a while. I, I really just want Seth and Becky to, to move on from each other because like, I, I don't think they are necessary on screen to, to be together. I agree with that, actually. It would be very nice. Just let them do their own thing. I mean, you can reference it every once in a while, I think, and that's fine. And stuff like that. But yeah, I just, uh, I do not, because it feels really, really forced. And it would be one thing if they had great on-screen chemistry. That would at least help a little bit, but they don't. So uh, Extreme Rules uh, 2019, Jeremy, I think, definitely has some good potential on it. Um, There's a couple things like this main event that do not look good, obviously. Uh, Probably a couple clunkers, but I think there's uh, potential for a lot of good on the show. And hopefully uh, everybody gets the time they need. And the people that don't need the time get their uh, time cut. Like, I don't need a 30-minute Baron Corbin-Lacey Evans main event. No, not at all. We we don't need... Don't have the Shane match go long. Don't have either of these two like big tag team matches go long, honestly. I combined. Combined, they should be like 20 minutes. That includes entrances too, which means the matches are going to be like two minutes because Undertaker's entrance. Well, is Undertaker's entrance match is going to be twenty <laughs> minutes alone because of the entrances. Yeah, yeah. I like combined. They should be be twenty minutes. Uh, I give this time to the guys who are, are really good at professional wrestling, not the people who honestly have the least interest in their match. I mean, me personally, I have the least interest, least interest in these two tag team matches. Um, and give it, give it to the people that I want to see. I don't care about the rest of the, uh, you fans want to uh, want to watch the people that I want to watch because the people that I want to watch are good. Yeah. And it's, a, that always Fucking reminds me of like, um, some of the, like the Scott Demore booked uh, TNA pay-per-views in 2005 when they were like really good. The strength of those shows were, Number one, they booked matches on pay-per-view between guys they knew would largely work well together. And then if you had like a, a Daniels and a Joe or Daniels and AJ or Joe and AJ or something like that, you knew that match was getting time. Or like a great example was when they did the Unbreakable show, Joe Daniels and AJ got the main event over the NWA title match because they knew it was going to be better than Rhino and Raven. Obviously was in hindsight, but I mean, you know, it's just, it's about making smart decisions. And like we talk about a lot with the NXT takeover specials, putting people into place to succeed and, you know, letting them do that. I mean, you have to have a certain amount of faith in the people that deliver. 
and just put them in that right position and hopefully it works out well. You know, AJ and Ricochet, give them time. Gulak and Nice, give them some time. Aleister Black and Cesaro, give them some time. Uh, you know, the matches that have a lot of potential, Usos and the Revival, give them time. Let these guys that you know are really good and can have great matches, give them that chance. Don't overbook it. Don't undercut them on time. Just let them go. Because I do think, honestly, the show has a lot of potential. Again, there are going to be a couple clunkers, I think. But I'm generally more excited for this show than I have been for a lot of WWE pay-per-views this year. Yeah, the wrestling is always um, is always good for the most part with, with WWE. It's just they try to do too much. Like I, I feel like I'm typically excited for WWE pay-per-views because there are some good matches and then they actually get to the match and it's like, all right, this, this kind of sucked. Um, maybe stomping grounds was an exception because that didn't look good even on paper. Um, but the funny thing about stomping grounds <laughs> is, is like the first over half of that show was actually really good and over delivered. And then it kind of just fell off a cliff. Yeah. Your, your main event matches, uh, sucked. And that, that could be the case here is the, the first bit of this show could be really good. And then your final two matches could be really bad. Yeah. So hoping for the best here, obviously, uh, as always, I'll have uh, written previews of fight for the fallen and extreme rules this weekend. Uh, I will have live live coverage of fight for the fallen Saturday night. Kevin Pantoja will be covering Evolve's 10th anniversary live at the same time. And Sunday night, Scott Slimmer will have live coverage of Extreme Rules. And obviously, I will have my, my final reviews of the shows. Uh, Jeremy and I will be back sometime after Extreme Rules. We'll break down the big shows, talk about any news coming out of it. And uh, it'll be a good time had by all, Jeremy. Yes, we'll be back this weekend to discuss more wrestling. Two podcasts a week with me. How are y'all not sick of me? Uh, they love you, allegedly. <laughs> no. Reportedly. <laughs> yes, reportedly. I, I heard you're showing up with the 15th segment of Raw. Uh, Yeah, sure. Reportedly, I will be on Raw. Yeah. But uh, anyway, thank you guys for listening. We greatly appreciate it. Again, you can follow the 411 on Wrestling Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the 411mania.com website. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good weekend and enjoy the wrestling.